0: Now, guys, you follow as I read a portion of God's Word, one that I really love, uh, the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 4. I'll read to you the first 12 verses of Romans 4, and they read like this. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God this word this endures forever guys it would be a crying shame if I were to lead you through the trees and you miss the forest uh, you've heard the saying, and you know, I couldn't find the forest for the trees or whatever. Well, th- this is one forest that you just don't want to miss. It's, um, it's the gospel. It's uh, the gospel forest, and, and, um, and I, I don't want you to miss it, but when the words are, are flying hot and heavy from the text and from me, um, there is this temptation... To just put your brain in neutral and breeze on by. And then you miss this gospel spectacular. Don't do that. Stay with me. I, I'm going I'm to do my best to, to simplify. But that's going to mean a lot of work on both of our parts. On yours as well as mine. So I hope you're ready for that. Because here goes. Guys, um, you may have noticed the title to my sermon in the bulletin this morning. Yeah, I did, Dr. And I noticed what it said there is your title. But, you know, as you were reading that text, I never heard one word about baptism in that text. Well, you would be right. There is no mention of baptism in this text. Baptism, as you know, um, for us New Testament Christians, is the sign of the covenant but it has not always been the sign of the covenant the first sign of the covenant as you might know was circumcision and circumcision is indeed mentioned in the text but all christians agree that the covenant sign has changed from circumcision to baptism um now gang here's what i'm going to try to do this morning I'm going to equate or at least draw a very close parallel between those two covenant signs, between circumcision and baptism. And then I'm also going to try to draw a parallel between the argument that you get here in Romans 4 with the argument that I hear so much of in our day. I can't tell you how many times People want to discuss baptism with me in a year. Um, But we don't have time. We don't have time to discuss all the ins and outs of, of baptism. But I do think there is one part of the argument or one part of the discussion concerning baptism, one part of the discussion that we at least can settle this morning And the part of the argument that I think we can settle is this. Is baptism an essential? I think the text is going to give you that answer. Now, gang, what you find here is Paul anticipating an argument that he was going to get from his Jewish listeners. It was an objection that they would raise to his gospel preaching, his gospel message. He's anticipating that and tries to address it before it's asked. The issue, of course, has to do with the role of circumcision. Because Judaism, as you know, saw circumcision as the key essential in one being made right with God. So much so that in Judaism, if you were circumcised, the deal was pretty much settled. I mean, you were in great spiritual shape if you had undergone circumcision. So Paul, to correct wrong thinking as he saw it, he goes back to his his old standby, Abraham. Abraham. And he mentions Abraham and calls upon their understanding of the history surrounding Abraham. And he asks them this question. Tell me, guys, when was Abraham circumcised? Was he circumcised before he believed or after he believed? And that, those Jewish listeners knew the answer to that question. Abraham was justified long before he was circumcised. Abraham was justified 14 years before he was circumcised. Abraham exercised faith and was justified 14 years before he was circumcised so you see the implication of course if that is true if he was justified 14 years before circumcised how do you Jews insist that it's an essential which brings us to verse 11 and it's important folks um he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Here we go. The purpose was, don't you like that? Don't you like it when the text says, here we go, here's the purpose. I'm going to dish it out for you, plain and simple. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so their righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of faith. Folks, Abraham was not the father of the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Abraham was the father of those circumcised who believed and the uncircumcised who believed. The issue is not whether you're Jew or Gentile. The issue is not whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. The issue revolves around faith. Okay, now, gang, in verse 11, there is a clause. And in that clause, there is pivotal information for a proper understanding of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It's that clause that goes like this so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Now let me draw your attention to three words in that clause. Let me start with the easy one. Them. Who's the them? So that righteousness would be counted to them. Who's that them? Well, it's the, it's the uncircumcised. Um, the, pur- the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that they can be righteous so, to them. That's the them. It's those uncircumcised, those Gentiles, those nasty Gentiles. And then the second word I want you to look at is the word righteousness. What is righteousness? You remember up in verse 3 it said, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. But again, what, 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 is, what is righteousness? Well, righteousness comes to those who believe. That's what the text says. But what is it? folks um righteousness is the fulfilling of the law all of it the fulfilling of the law which i didn't do did you um, righteousness is what we need in order to stand comfortably in the presence of God, but I don't have it. Um, righteousness is the satisfying mm. <coughs> of all of the demands of God, and I didn't do that. So why am I going to stand before If the demand is for righteousness and I don't have it, then I'm in trouble. Folks, faith in Christ is the means through which God gives to me righteousness. Christ's righteousness. Now let me say this in a different way. The righteousness that we need but do not have, that righteousness belongs only to Christ. He's the one who obeyed the law. I didn't even get close. And all of my human do goodisms won't get me an inch closer. God is kind enough to grant Christ's righteousness by way of imputation. Now, hold on there, Dr. Young. I don't see the word imputation in this text anywhere. I mean, I just think that's one of those big old seminary words that you brought to try to impress the rest of us but you know I'm not all that impressed by it well I may have done that but ladies and gentlemen imputation is in the text and let me show it to you folks um the word that is translated counted in that clause is the Greek word logizomai it's the word from which we get our English word logic Logizomai is found 10 times in Romans 4. It's in verse 3, 4, 5, and 6, 9, 10, and 11, 22, 23, and 24. They're all versions of the same Greek word, Logizomai. The ESV translation, which is one that so many of us have, translates that word counted. But if you've got a King James or a New King James... They translate the word impute. Some translations use the word reckon. But it's all the same Greek word, folks. And that Greek term is an accounting term, it's a term that refers to something being put in someone's account. When we have nothing at all in our account, God puts something in there. Or He imputes something to our account. And what is it that He puts in there? Righteousness. Christ's. Righteousness. God gives us something that we do not have and have no way of getting it. Um, it is a legal transfer by which all of his claims against us are satisfied by Christ. And then Christ's righteousness. Is given, transferred, counted, reckoned, imputed to my account. Or God is imputing, reckoning, counting the righteousness of his Son to us. And then God goes on to enable us to see that beautiful thing by granting us the gift of faith. Faith is the instrument by which I lay hold of the righteousness that only Christ has, but that I need. But the righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, is all Christ's. Okay, Dr. Young, i just got one more question, and I think I might get this. How can God not punish my sins and still be God? Whoa, wait a minute. Nobody ever said that sin was not punished. It is punished. Christ took the punishment because, you see, my sin is imputed to Christ who then endures the wrath of God for it and His righteousness is then imputed to me. No, folks. What a gospel we have to preach. What an amazing piece of bookkeeping. What an amazing piece of accountancy. What you have here, folks, is the mathematics of grace on display. It is all of God's action. The Christian doesn't do anything to save himself. God did it all, and I received that by faith. Now, tell me, what role did you see baptism? playing in that whole saving process? Why, you know, Dr. Young, I, I didn't see anything in there about baptism. That's the right answer. There is no role that baptism plays in that saving event. So tell me, ladies and gentlemen, how did Judaism in this century and others in our century make a covenant sign an essential part of one's saving experience? How do the baptized... Simply say, I'm okay because I got baptized when I was 11. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, Abraham is not the father of the baptized and the unbaptized. Abraham is the father of the baptized who believe and the unbaptized who believe. And that is the argument of this portion of God's Word. Now guys, let, let me do one more thing and then I'll quit. W- would you like to know for certain that you are a Christian? Okay, I've got a little test for you that I, I think might help. Here we go. So I say this to you. I say, um, uh, Do you realize that you can do nothing about making yourself a Christian? Uh, and have you given up that self salvation project that you've got? Uh, it is a gift that comes to the ungodly. I say that to you. And then in reply, you say this to me. You say, Oh, but I... Stop right there. Once you say, Oh, but I need... You just showed that you do not understand the gospel. The moment you say, I need... And try to add something then your understanding of the gospel is exposed. Folks, do you believe that right now, at this moment, just as you are, you can become a Christian entirely through what God has done in Jesus Christ on your behalf? That time element that you wanted to stick in there that, that spoils everything, ladies and gentlemen. If you say, Well, now I understand what you're saying, Dr. Young, but you know, I, I, I need a minute to go. <clears throat> I mean, don't I need to go start praying some more or, you know, reading my Bible some more or attending church? You know, and I got to stop some things that I've been doing and, you know, start those other things that I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, um, once you start talking like that, ladies and gentlemen, you show that you have not understood the beauty of this gospel message. If you try to add something, well, you know, I need to weep some more, or, you know, I really need to feel more guilty over my sin some more, or, you know, I, I need to have a, a greater sense of um, uh, uh, conviction, or, uh, you know, I need to, I need to get baptized. Once you insert those things, anything, it reveals that you do not understand the beauty of the gospel. Folks, the gospel tells us that God justifies the ungodly. Gang, here it is in Abraham's life. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Where in there did you hear anything about something that Abraham did. guys um, verses six seven and eight you know what that is? Paul inserts in there another one of their heroes David and what he says basically is David got it too guys look at he quotes from Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin as long as he got baptized. Not in there, is it? That part about baptism. David understood the doctrine of justification by faith alone, and that's Paul's point. Gang, if you cannot see that you can become a Christian immediately at this moment... You have not understood the gospel. God does not wait on you to go get godly so that he can justify you. He justifies the ungodly. You know, folks, I could drop out of life and become a monk a hermit. And I could spend the rest of my days on top of a flagpole somewhere. And I could spend the rest of my days sweating and fasting and praying and grinding. And and all of that would not put me one inch closer to God than I am. Folks, God doesn't ask you to go get something before He justifies you. He doesn't wait for you to clean yourself up so that He can justify you. Abraham, believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness is that simple enough our father would you use this wonderful text out of your word to to make to bring clarity to every thinking person in this room. Would You allow them, O God, to see the great beauty of the Gospel, this great piece of mathematics or bookkeeping, or when You impute our sin to Your Son and then impute His righteousness to us. And so, we stand here this morning as men and women who are either justified by sovereign grace, or we stand here outside of the household of faith. One or the other, O God. And I pray that if you have brought people here who have not yet met our Savior, that you would cause them to see the great beauty of this simple gospel, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do that, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. And amen.